0: Well, this morning, I have the privilege to introduce to you Dave Harthen. So I had a little time this morning in our Bible class to learn all that Dave Dave, is doing. This is what he did before he was retired. He served as the North Central Church Relations Representative for TEAM, both in Austria and stateside. And in Austria, he was involved in church planning, discipling, and counseling. And then in the States, he participated in the screening of prospective missionaries, care of those missionaries, and continued opportunity to counsel. He also consulted and helped churches with their mission programs, spoke at mission conferences, encouraged pastors, and met with missions committee to share with them ways to do uh, missions in our changing age. That's before retirement. Now, after retirement, I learned that um, Dave... Uh, serves in some way for the Minnesota Coalition for Eastern Europe, for the Midwest Conference on Missionary Care. He's consulting uh, a couple uh, that is doing mission work in Ghana. He is a member of a bicycle club, and he's taking care of his wife. So you continue to be a busy man. So it's my privilege to welcome you to West Cohasset Chapel this morning.
1: Thank you, thank you Pastor Joel. Good to be here, good to see you, and uh, I have to say at my age it's good to still be seen. Uh, That's not a given, I guess, Uh, by the grace of God I'm still here. Took a little something out of an old Reader's Digest. There was a mother and a grandmother. The, the small son, the boy, wanted them to come play with him and they had a sandbox up front there of the house and so they're out there and uh, the little boy gives them each a shovel to shovel sand and so they're shoveling sand and they're talking. and. Uh, People are walking by and they notice that people are kind of looking at them and they're saying, I wonder what's going on here. And then they noticed the boy that they were supposed to be watching was no longer there. Uh, he was in the backyard. Uh, they'd lost focus on what was most important. And it's very easy for us to do that, I think, with missions. I think there are many churches in our country who have lost this focus. There are f- different things that a church needs to focus on. And of course, we need to focus on our own body and building that up. And, but we dare not forget missions. And so we're going to look at that today in Luke 24 as you'll see in your bulletin there Luke 24 and be looking at the verses 44 to 49 and the lord really brings into focus what one of the things that the church is to, to be about and of course this is after the lord has uh, been raised from the dead And the resurrection changed everything. And he gave them this mandate. And they went out willing to die. I would sum up what I'm going to be talking about today in this one sentence. We must proclaim repentance for forgiveness of sins in Christ's name to all the nations in the power of the spirit. So in this, you'll, you'll see your outline there. I think it breaks down. First, we see the source of our mission, which is the word of God. And so I wanna talk about that. And then he gives the subject of our mission. And this is the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And then how are we supposed to respond to what he has done? And then thirdly, the scope. And of course, we'll see here in verse 47, the last half. It means the world or all the nations beginning At Jerusalem so let me start with verses 44 and 45 then he said to them these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures and this is the second time that jesus has done this in this chapter if you look back at verse 27 you see he was doing the same thing with the two men on the road to emmaus who were leaving jerusalem and they were just confused and puzzled about the things that had happened jesus had been crucified things were not turning out the way that they thought they should turn out. And Jesus comes along, they don't even recognize him, and he's explaining from uh, Moses and the prophets, this is the way it's supposed to be. And again, he's doing it here. Uh, It's interesting, this is the only place in the scripture where he mentions the three sections of the Jewish Bible, which, of course, is our Old Testament. Says the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And, of course, when we look at the Old Testament in our English Bible, we break it down differently. Uh, We have the Law, of course, which they called the Torah, the first five books, and then we have the history books, And of course, the poetry and the wisdom books and uh, the major prophets and the minor prophets. Well, that's not the way the Jewish Bible was. Uh, They did have the law, the first five books, uh, the Torah, but then they had the prophets and the writings. And of course, the prophets were very different than ours. They only had eight prophets. Uh, four, the first four were the former prophets: uh, Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel are one book for them. It, first and Kings are one book for them. So four former prophets, and then they had four latter prophets: Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And the minor prophets, we have 12 of them, but they're one book for them. So they have four latter prophets, eight prophets altogether. And for you, Bible scholars, you're going to say "Uh, something's missing. Where's Daniel? Well, Daniel's not among their prophets, Uh, he's in the writings. And there are only 11 books in the writings because Ezra and Nehemiah are one book and 1 Chronicles are one book. So they only have 24 books, where we have 39. But the point is, Jesus took this Bible and he said, here I am in here here is my crucifixion here is my resurrection and of course the resurrection was the thing that changed everything before the disciples they were blind they couldn't see. you know when Jesus started talking about die, going to Jerusalem and dying and going like No, you mean this isn't what the Messiah does? This isn't the way we understand our Bible? But then came the resurrection. And we probably see this best in Paul. We know a lot about Paul because he he wrote so much of the New Testament. And, And I have this picture of Paul on his way to Damascus. We know that he was persecuting the Christians. And I mean, he says this about himself, he's, he's thinking, you know, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees, and I've been taught by Gamaliel, and you know, I know the Bible, I know the law, I know the prophets, the former and the latter, and I know the writings no one knows them better than me and jesus is not there this death and then these crazy christians are talking about he rose from the dead not there not there and boom the light from heaven blinds him he goes to his knees He says, Who are you, Lord? And then he receives an answer that blows the doors off his life I am Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And he realizes he did rise from the dead. The resurrection changes everything. When we look at the Old Testament, when he began to look at his Bible, through the lens of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it looked different. And so in the law, he could see Jesus in the tabernacle, the sacrificial lamb, you can see them in the prophets. Example, Isaiah 53, for the suffering servant. There's Jesus. In the writings, Psalm 22, saying that crucifixion depicted the word of God. Jesus explains it. And he always says, it is written. It is written. He didn't make things up as it went along. It is written. And he fulfilled it. The word of God. So I, I, I take two things, at least I want to mention here, from this. We are not free to make up our own message. Jesus did not make up his message. It is written. So the disciples were not some kind of uh, religious geniuses or philosophers who got together to talk about you know, what is God like? They were witnesses of these things. Faithful witnesses don't make things up. They tell them like they saw them. And when they saw the resurrected Christ, it changes everything. And you find it all over in the New Testament. There may be things that you don't understand but again and again, they're saying, but we saw him. Eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's so much evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's his message. He has revealed to us that we are sinners. Sinners who need a savior and he introduces the savior we have sent and we are not free to modify that message yet so many preachers today are doing it and I start the erosion started long ago but I, I, I remember the 1960s and it just seemed to me like things were uh, a faster and faster and remember in 1973 when Carl Menninger a well known psychologist wrote the book whatever became of sin because this was the years the big growth of psychology and everybody was you know it's not your fault your parents did it to you you no, know, they treated you so poorly you know if they treated you better, you, you would you'd be okay. Whatever became of sin and nowadays there are so many who say yeah, you should be proud of who you are. claim the dignity that God gave you. Uh, You know, enjoy your God-intended destiny. And conversion that's, you know, from a negative self-esteem to a positive self-esteem. So much of that today. We dare not change the message of the scripture. We are sinners and Christ died for us. And uh, we can't change that message the second thing i would take out of this we need god we need the holy spirit in order to understand god's word we need his enabling as jesus here came along and he said here look in the bible see there i am and explaining it. And all through the the disciples, there were many things they did not understand. And Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 2, of course, that there are things that can only be spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot understand them. We need, in in that day it was Jesus doing this, but we need the Holy Spirit Who's going to open up the scriptures that we might be able to understand them is going to impart insight when we come to the scripture we need to open it in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to understand because it's this word it is written That's what Jesus lived by. And I say it is written. We dare not change the message. So the source of our mission is this book. Okay, secondly, the subject of our mission. We find that here in verses 46 and 47. Then he said to them, thus it is written, there it is again, it it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So, the main subject of the Bible for me is relationship. at the beginning at the creation god placed them in eden and there was a perfect relationship and then it was broken by sin by rebellion and god went to work to restore it and that's where we're going to end up in relationship and he uses that picture the closeness of the husband and bride. It's going to be a very close, wonderful relationship. And relationship is the best thing there is. When you're in a love relationship, there's nothing better. So the subject is how to be restored how to be reconciled sinners to a holy God and uh, by this death on the cross he paid the penalty that we deserved he satisfied God's perfect justice and he gave us free pardon for those who put their faith in him three things here I want to mention out of these two verses here. The first, of course, is it demands our repentance. Now, this is not a popular subject. But Jesus began here. If we go back to Matthew 4.10, Jesus began his ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand that's the way he began now here he is after the resurrection ready to go back to heaven and he's saying and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached so repentance is so important in our message what does it mean well, of course, it's a, a turning to God from our sin. In, in some verses, it seems like it's interchangeable with saving faith. Uh, it's just so connected. Uh, I found uh, Spurgeon in, in a sermon sees four aspects here in uh, repentance. The first one is illumination, he says, where God opens our eyes to how horrible sin is. And I think it's very hard for us to understand how serious it is to sin against the God who created us, who loves us, who re- wants to redeem us. And, and we spit on his face. And we need our eyes opened To that, the second thing that Spurgeon says is humiliation, where we we lay aside our pride, we humble ourselves, we plead for God to be merciful to us, that He will forgive me, because and and for me, the regrets that I have is where I did not love like I should have loved. And I think that's the worst thing. If we don't love the way Jesus loves, uh, we need to be in humiliation, lay aside our pride. And then Spurgeon loved these big words, detestation means where we learn to hate the sin which is not so easy because sin is very attractive we like it but to learn to hate it so that we can turn to God and the last one he says is transformation where we leave the sin that we formerly loved and in our hearts learn to love god so it's this change of mind Uh, tim keller described it it's a radical regeneration of the heart and a reorientation of the life so we we must proclaim repentance Uh, secondly We proclaim forgiveness. We see that here in the passage. We repent and we receive forgiveness. And that is part of our message as we go forth. Forgiveness of sins is our number one need as people. To repent and receive the forgiveness of our sins uh, that God has Given us in Christ. It's not our greatest need to succeed in life or that our marriage is the best or that we have enough money. Those things are all important. But we need forgiveness of sin. And God has offered it, it's there for the taking if we repent and turn to him and come to him in faith. And this forgiveness is not partial, it's total. John wrote, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So we can know that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to suddenly pull out the book and say, oh, here's one that I overlooked. No. His blood cleanses us from all sin. And uh, therefore, Paul can write, for example, in Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation to those who in Christ. And then at the end of the chapter, he says, nothing, and he lists a whole, li- nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's not based on our earning through doing penance and doing good things over time but it's by the grace of God and the other thing I see in this this is for the very worst of sinners the very worst can repent and be forgiven because we see he says start in jerusalem well i i can imagine the apostles thinking jerusalem they just killed you they murdered you they committed the worst sin in history what could be worse and Jesus says, start there. So whatever our sin, <clears throat> there's forgiveness in Christ. And that's why they call it good news. That's why they call it the gospel. It is just such a wonderful thing. And this is what we want to proclaim. So we proclaim repentance. Repentance we proclaim forgiveness and thirdly we do it in Jesus name in Jesus name if this message came from anybody else if it came from me it'd be pretty worthless but we do it in Jesus name it wasn't something that the disciples concocted or but the risen lord Do it in my name. Do it in my name. And the third thing, the scope. The scope. And we see that, of course, in the last part of verse 47, where he says, and this is preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then 48 and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So we are to proclaim this message to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Uh, The Greek word here for nations, ethne, from which we get ethnic or ethnicity, and you may know in the last 20, 30 years uh, through Ralph Winter and other leaders in the missions movement, they have what they call the people group approach, recognizing that every group is different. And they they kind of, I'll just read the definition, He, he defines a people group as the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. So you have groups that have a different language, different culture. For example, if I had brought this message in German, it would not be very helpful and and I know how it is because when I first got to Austria and sat there not knowing any German it was not a blessing it was a headache but if I preached in German in Austria that'd be appropriate because that that people group and so they look even like a country like Mexico It's not a monolith. There are some different languages, different groups. It's estimated that there are over 17,000 people groups in the world. Uh, And they're working on getting to each one. Uh, 1974, they said about half the world population lived in on reach people groups now might be about a third probably still two billion people to go so what do we do well we need to pray of course pray for them to be reached support missionaries instill a vision in your children Be ready to go. I know that God can call someone out of West Cohasset. Because it happened to me. I was a little boy down there on the farm. Not too far from here. Never thought of it. But God did and following god and doing things his way has been a path of great blessing i just recommend it to you it is written do it god's way do it god's way and of course the task is overwhelming And that's why we read here in our passage, wait until you're endued with power from on high. They were waiting for Pentecost. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And we must have that. I've seen myself and I've seen enough missionaries at work to know we can't do this. can't do it but in the power of the Holy Spirit God can so we need the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves and we need to recognize that we're proclaiming this message to people who are spiritually blind the Holy Spirit must open their eyes and so we need to pray. Paul asked them to pray for him in Ephesians that he would proclaim the gospel boldly. He asked in Colossians that the Holy Spirit would help him to make it clear. And we need to do the same. <clears throat> we need to pray. You've seen the Commercials, don't try this at home. Okay, I say about this mission don't try this by yourself. Try the, don't try this in your own strength, but the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing in this, Pastor, of course, we're witnesses we're not great orators or debaters or astute philosophers that's not required we're witnesses and the job of a witness is very simple tell what you've seen and heard tell what you've seen and heard that jesus is good and following him is salvation And it is a passive blessing to you. Amen.
0: Thank you, Dave, very much for the ministry of the word. We're going to take a moment to pray. As Dave Dave ended, um, can't do what's needed ever. That's one of the reasons why we pray. So let's pray. Father, as we think about what we have heard from your servant, from your word, we pray for the whole world that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of everyone who is unconverted. And we pray that lives would be changed. People would be moved from darkness to light, from, from death to life. And your churches would be established all over the world. And your name would be glorified. And then, God, we pray for ourselves that we would be witnesses. That we would tell people what we have seen and heard about Christ. There are thousands of years of your faithfulness represented in this one room. (laughs) A forgiveness. A provision. Of you just plucking us out of the worst possible places. People need to know you that way. You're bigger than any political party. You're, you're, you're bigger than any one race. You are the God of all creation. And you are good. And by golly, we need to let people know that. And the summary of his mes- Dave's message was, we must proclaim the forgiveness of sins in Christ's name and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we plead uh, desperately. I would plead personally that we would be given the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do just that. And that we would not be blind to Jesus in the whole Bible, Old and New Testament. And we would make Jesus matter as it should so every time we open the book, we put forth the risen Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And please, God, we need to love like Jesus loves We need to forgive like Jesus forgives. We need a larger vision of your love and a larger vision of your forgiveness and what that means. And so we pray to that end. And then we pray for Dave. He he does a lot in the life that you've given him. Whenever I think of Dave, I think of kindness and gentleness and longevity. To be in ministry that long, not only is a grace, and it says so much about you, but it also says something about Dave. So we praise your name for that. He had some things, God, that he wanted us to pray for as a congregation, so we pray for the Stephen ministry, that the need for people to commit to such a gracious thing in light of what is taking place in our world, we pray that the doors would remain open and the light would be bright and good would come out of that. We pray for the older couple serving in Guyana, that you would give them much success, <clears throat> and success means God, people converted, the church established, and Jesus Christ's name magnified, proclaimed. We pray for David's atheist friend, and we pray for his conversion, that soon, even God will be so bold to say in the next few days... He will come to Christ. And the fundamental direction of his life and his eternal life will change forever. And Father, when Dave said that Jesus took his Bible and said, here I am, may we take our lives and say to you, here we are. Do do with them as you please and do not let there be any fear in that at all. Now this has been a good day. And we thank you for that. We thank you for Dave again and and any personal needs that he has. We pray, God, that in your great mercy and in your great love, you would meet those needs, that you would give him more than he needs, that you would just let your grace and peace and provision and love abound over his life. And as we end, God, we would end just asking for your blessing. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine us and on us and be gracious to us. And may, God, you turn your face towards us and give us peace. For Jesus' sake, we ask these things. Amen.